AntiUp is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But AntiUp is much more than a magazine. Visit AntiUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. AntiUp, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's June 15th, 2018. You're listening to the best poker cast on its anniversary. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. It's uh, literally our anniversary today. Usually, you know, we'll tape a day earlier, but uh, this week we had a tape on Friday, or record, or whatever word you want to use to not date us. We got, a, we got our own little anti up mash unit going on here. Hornet stings and <laughs> I had a teeth surgery. I had a big old, big old wisdom tooth yanked out of my face yesterday, day before yesterday. My face is just swollen like hell. Can't talk, so Scott will do most of the talking, which would mean that the show just goes on as always. Nothing's changed really. So my my fear though is is that you weren't very wise to begin with, so now you're missing a wisdom tooth. <laughs> could be reversed though. It could be kind of like you know, they, you get, that, now. get that bump on the head, and all of a sudden they can play the piano. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> maybe now I could actually play poker now that they've lost a wisdom tooth. But our first show was June fifteenth, two thousand five. So thirteen yeah. years ago today. Years of doing this stuff. Wow, crazy. And then coming up here in a couple of weeks will be the 10th anniversary of the company, which is, you know, I'm not big on the milestone things. You know, other people like to get all crazy about that. But but I, I, I do think the 10 one is kind of cool. So I'll It is pretty wild. A decade of not working for the man. But, uh, but 13 years of doing this show, amazing. So It's amazing. We went from basically uh, not thinking about doing our own company or anything, and then with inside of three years we left cushy jobs. And uh, now we've been doing that for ten years too. It's just it's crazy. It's great though. It's we're uh, we're thankful. So, so you, can you imagine there might be some of our listeners out there who didn't have kids when they started listening to the show, and now their kids are in middle school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, boy, it's the even last- possible they could be in. I was in high school at thirteen. I turned fourteen later, but I was in high school at thirteen. It's possible. Possible. Um, crazy. Wow. So, yeah, my last, last hair that wasn't great just turned gray. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, here's our World Series update. Um, uh, Robert Lee Felicio, a Brazilian entrepreneur with a career uh, World Series of Poker winnings of $4,682, added $1 million to that total by winning event number seven, which was the $565 Colossus. John Raisner finished eighth. That's some first name. It's like an adverb. <laughs> Robert Lee. That's like a cool name. And Felicio is pretty cool too. It's a yeah, cool name Robert Lee Felicio. That's a. I that's think a probably cool, a cool middle name too. We don't know about. So you're showing off. <laughs> Falula. <clears throat> uh, Benjamin Moon won event number thirteen. That was a fifteen hundred dollar buy-in no limit hold'em. That was the first big blind ante event in World Series history. I'm sure. Uh, well, we know it's not going to be the last, but uh, I wonder if next year all of them are going to be that way. Maybe. Yeah, it's going that way. It seems. People seem to like it. Uh, Justin Bonomo won event number 16. That was the $10,000 heads-up championship, and that was about a week after he won $5 million in a PokerGo Super High Roller Bowl, so he's having a good uh, couple weeks. Wow. 
Uh, Arnie Kern of Germany won event number 21. That was the $1,500 millionaire maker, earning $1,173,223 in the biggest payday so far this series. Wow, that'll go a long ways. Yeah. And then uh, Brian Rass won event number 23, the $10,000 No Limit Deuce to Seven uh, lowball event. And Doyle Brunson finished six, and we'll talk about him more in a minute. Price quite impressive. Uh, all those millionaire winners already too is is pretty cool. Um, I entered a fifteen hundred dollar event. I wouldn't have won a million though. <laughs> it would have been like six hundred grand. But still, that's uh, that's huge. And I love well, how international now the the results are. Yeah, you know, it used to just be everybody's from Texas or you know. Atlantic City or New York or something, but now it's like right there alone. You got a guy from Brazil, you got a guy from Germany. It's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, and it also just shows the the draw of the events, and you know how much Las Vegas in general benefits from having it out there. I mean, imagine if somebody ever bought the World Series brand and decided to move it to like I don't know Orlando or somewhere. Yeah, uh, it's a tremendous drain on the uh, the area. So, um, so it's good to see this many people coming in and. and Spreading the world around. We're getting ready to start the World Cup now. So that's right. That's kind of weird too. They got North America hosting the World Cup. It's not America. It's North America. Pretty much America. <laughs> There's only like three matches in Mexico and like six in uh, Canada. The rest are all in the U.S. But you know, hey, it, it's all about uh, packaging, right? I guess so. In North America. So it's a big appeal, I guess, to have it cover three countries like that. All right, so big news here. Not necessarily shocking news, I don't think, but big news. Uh, Doyle Brunson, the godfather of poker, says he is retiring from poker to spend time with his wife of 57 years, Louise, who is in declining health. Brunson uh, finished sixth this week, and what he said was his final World Series of Poker event. And will quit playing cash games in Bobby's room by the end of the summer. Yeah, this is uh, – when you first see Doyle Brunson in a headline, you get nervous. Yeah, because right, yeah. he's in his eight, late mid eighties or whatever, so you get you get worried. Um, but uh, I'm glad he's retiring, and, and that it just didn't happen. Like you know that he died or anything. I'm glad he's going to spend some time with his wife, and you know, and he's such a good guy. At least he was when we met him. I met him. I don't know if you've met him or not. Oh uh, yeah, no, I met him once. Yeah, okay, so I, I, mean, didn't, I didn't get to sit there and have lunch with him like you did. But, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. But just a, a real, real good guy, and uh, of course his son and his daughter, everybody just. I, I wanted to ask you: Do you think that we're here today if he isn't around? Like, if, uh, if he didn't ever exist, do you think we're still here today? I think we probably are. I think we're here more because of Chris Moneymaker than Brunson. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean that Doyle isn't the biggest legend in poker lore, which I, I think he is. Yeah. But I don't know whether uh, we would have even had our home game, let alone transition to the show and, and into the company uh, without Moneymaker. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think I honestly, I don't think I knew who Doyle Brunson was until I knew who Chris Moneymaker Maker was before I knew who Doyle Brunson was. Right, probably. right. I just wonder if poker is around for Moneymaker to even... Well, that's I guess that's another point, too. Right. Uh, but, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, it's tough because... You know, history has a way of forgetting things and sometimes has a way of uh, making things seem bigger than they were, right? Yeah. So, actually live through it, then you, you have a better recollection of what it is. And, you know, I started watching Poker on TV when Youth won the World Series, which was, you know, fantastic. That was like, what, late 90s or like something? 89 or somewhere, 90, uh, yeah. And so, <clears throat> oh, 
it's tough for me to say what Doyle did for poker before he became like famous to the rest of us, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, Super System obviously was a big part of of that, but um, you know, I, I think once the they started shining a spotlight on poker players, he was a great character to play, and uh, that's where his fame really took off. Now, that's my frame of reference from not having lived through it, so that's what I'm saying. So, um, but certainly he's done a lot. So, I mean, it's possible that he, you know, one man did it. That much for it. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. And I remember when they, you know, when I met him, I remember how, how friendly he was and stuff. But um, it, it, his book, people people say about his book, is like they weren't happy when he wrote the book because he gave a lot of secrets away. Right. But that book is what made everyone, like, think they could play and ended up being genius, <laughs> really. And then he actually created his own publishing house just so he could publish it himself. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think that's an interesting, uh, I don't want to get too far off of what we're talking here, but I do think it's an interesting argument about the, you know, hey, don't don't tell people how to play because they're going to play better. But if you end up bringing 10,000 new people into the game that don't play as well, right. is it better than the couple people that are yard playing with now are playing it better because they read the book. So, um, you know, that's a common divide everywhere, you know. Uh, you know, it's the same thing with uh, restaurants. You know, if you're if you have a restaurant in town, you don't want another restaurant to come in town. Well, maybe you do because now you're bringing more people in. So, yeah, yeah. But, um, but no, great, great career, and um, you know, I hope uh, hope he and Louise get uh, a lot more time together. And um, you know, the other thing too, I haven't seen this yet, and I hope I don't. But you know, I, I see this a lot with my friends, like when when a uh, celebrity who's like 85 dies, and they're like, oh my god, that's so sad. Yeah, but he was eighty-five. <laughs> it's not shocking, right. Right? right? So, you know, when I when I clicked on that article, I'm like, you know, well, it makes sense. You know, the guy's been around forever, so you know, at some point he's got to retire, folks. So, and if, if you, a lot of people forget too that when he was very young, he had that huge tumor on the back of his neck, and he thought he had just a little bit of time left to live, and yeah. then it went away, and he was just like, well, I'm supposed to be dead right now. So every day is. You know, it's just remarkable to him, you know that he had it, and now he's in his mid eighties and still cashing sixth in major events. It's just crazy. Yeah, I was gonna say that's another great way to go out. Now, I mean, obviously, it was a ten thousand dollar buy-in, uh, deuce to seven, so uh, didn't attract a very large field, but uh, but it's great to see him make a final table in his yeah. last. Event. Yeah, so, it's fantastic. You know, it would have been a better story had he won, but you know, deny Brian Rast his uh, his just due there. So yeah, Rast is starting to rack up a lot of bracelets now. Yeah, a couple really hot players so far this year. There's always a couple every year. So. Every year it seems to happen. Someone's hot. Someone will win two this year. It'll oh, happen. yeah. Absolutely. Okay, any updates? The schedule has been released for the Annie Up Poker Tour at Atlantis Casino Resort Spa in Reno, Nevada, August 16th to the 26th. The series features 18 events, a dozen satellites, and more than $350,000 in guaranteed prize money, with the winner of the main event appearing on the cover of Annie Up Magazine. More info can be found at antiotmagazine.com slash Atlantis. If you'd like to be one of our monthly magazine contributors and represent Antiop in your home area, apply at antiotmagazine.com slash ambassadors. We have an immediate opening in Michigan. Each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast.antiotmagazine.com and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Foreign Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. This week's prize is a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars, specializing in poker odds and math at poker911.net. I want to say Andy Makeover, but I think it might be Mockover 
or it could be much over. I'm not sure. Whatever I say, I promise you it's it's wrong. So I would send. Uh, I would have said uh, much over. Much so. over. All right. So I'm gonna say NDM. <laughs> he says the editorial by Chris and Scott extolling the virtues of one of uh, of one player paying the ante for the table was right on the money. I recently experienced this in Las Vegas at Aria and at parks outside Philadelphia. Once the concept sank in, it was amazing how much faster the game went. Everyone was talking about it, and while some didn't like it, the majority of the people I spoke to loved it. No more being held hostage by players who were distracted or just plain slow. The one point that people were making was that it was somehow unfair to the person putting in the antes because if they were short-stacked, this would really bite into their chips. My response to that is to play better so you aren't in that situation. I just came back from a weekend at Mohegan Sun, and they don't do it there yet. I spoke to the room supervisor, and they said... Uh, they were considering it. I hope they do it as well as every other room in the country. We need this. Wow. See? Yeah. Told you. Making a difference. It. Making a difference, buddy. Yeah. <clears throat> and you can see how many tournaments have it. Even our 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 tour now, a bunch of events are using it and uh it's it's gonna win everybody over, I think. I think eventually it'll be just like anything else. Just like small blind, big blind was natural to you, now just be small blind, big blind Annie. That's it. Yeah, people are just always scared of the unknown. But once they they do it and they see it, I mean, not not obviously everybody's going to be on board with it, but the vast majority are. So, you know, if you're one of those people out there doubting it right now, you know, what I would say is go play one and see it. And you know, if you still don't like it after that, that's fine. But uh, don't don't not like this until you've actually experienced it. Yeah. I think you'll you'll see the advantages of it. The one thing I liked about the antes was that. Um, well, other than the dealer saying ante up, and then I could always say a fine poker magazine. But other than that, you know, when when uh, you can see, you can kind of get the idea of who's aggressive at what table when you show up. Usually the guy who has a bunch of antes in front of him is kind of the guy that's stealing a lot of antes or, you know, and you get to stack up all these green chips when it's a 25 or whatever. And that, But for the most part, this is way better for the game than just having those two things. So, Well, and a very small thing, too. I mean, you see this in tournaments, the union cash games, but, you know, there's a reason that, uh, room spread four eight limit rather than five ten limit. It's because when you're playing with more chips, the pots look bigger and yeah. the act better, right? Yeah. So um, again, you see that less in tournaments. But um, you know, I, I would imagine I had not had a chance to play a big buy nanny yet. But I would imagine if it's on me and it's four hundred, I'm putting four black chips out there instead of eight green. Yeah, and you probably don't even have the greens at that point. Yeah, you know, they probably off the table a little quicker too. So. So the pots don't look as big, but uh, but again, like I said, that's usually not uh, as big of a consideration in tournaments because most rooms now are really trying to you know make sure that there's only enough chips on the table, actual chips on the table that that a player needs. So you know, uh, I think kind of the, the running standard now is um, no player should have more than two racks of chips in a tournament ever. Mm. You know, if, they, if somebody has more than that, that means that you haven't colored down as quickly as possible. So. You know, it's a small thing, but other than that, it's it's, it's uh, you know, I think people they give it a good chance are really going to like it. So, okay, find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game, and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been. Email us at podcastandidiotmagazine.com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo director of poker Elliot Schechter tell you how he would have ruled. Comes from Doc, Doctor Frank Toscano. He says, I am the temporary dealer in a player-dealt home game tournament. I am sitting across the table from uh, the only three players involved in this hand, seats four, five, and six. Pre-flop action was completed, and I had just dealt out the flop. Seats four and five check. Seat six puts out a bet, 
but his finger catches on one of his cards, and he accidentally exposes a ten of hearts from his hand. He quickly covers it with his hand and flips it back over. I see it, but I'm not in the hand. Seat 4 folds, but announces that he saw the card without naming it. Seat 5 says he caught a glimpse of the card, and he knows it was a heart, but believes it was a paint card, King, Queen, or Jack. He wants the card to be turned face up so he can see it. Since seat 4 saw it before he folded, seat 5 reasons he should get to see it. I'm asked to make a ruling. I state that there are only two people left in the hand. Seat 5 made a guess at the exposed card, and I know for sure that his guess is incorrect. I don't believe that seat 6 should be forced to expose one of his cards based upon an incorrect guess from seat 5. Maybe if the guess, uh, one guess only please, had been correct, we could turn up the card. Certainly if seat 4 had called and was still in the hand and therefore had knowledge of the card that not possessed by seat 5, then the card should be turned up for seat 5 to see it too. But in this instance, heads up with a flash card and an incorrect guess, I rule that the hand should be played out without exposing the card. How did I do? Was my ruling correct? I based my ruling on a similar but not identical situation in a card room when I thought I saw a player's card flash. I announced that I saw it. The floor came over and asked me what card I thought I saw. He picked up the player's cards and announced that I was incorrect, and the hand continued without exposing any cards. In other words, just because you make a guess at a card doesn't mean you get to see it if you're wrong. All right, Elliot says, In this situation, seat six inadvertently exposed a card that was barely seen by his opponents. It doesn't appear as though the exposure of this card was intentional in any way. Seat four accomplished nothing other than causing trouble when he announced after folding that he saw the card. Once a determination has been made that a card was not exposed intentionally, it then becomes improper to make the player show the card to the table, players at the table. Guessing at the card, correctly or not, does not provide any basis for making the player show an inadvertently exposed card to active opponents. Showing cards based upon a correct guess is basically an assist from the tournament operator to the angle shooters, giving them somewhat decent chance of getting a card exposed and a very good chance of getting some kind of reaction from the player holding the accidentally exposed card. Paying attention to the other players and to the game is a primary responsibility of any player and is not shared with the dealer. The dealer is, hopefully, paying attention for entirely different reasons than the players. You did just fine with the situation based upon the result. You prevented seat six's card from being turned over, and no injustice was done. Remember, in situations like this, no guessing at all, ever. Sounds fair to me. Yeah, I kind of think of like the, the scene in the jerk when in the, <laughs> he's like guessing the age and giving away the... The prizes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hope <laughs> it's not a carnival game, folks. <laughs> All right, guess what? we got a brand new O'Malley's move today. I hate saying brand new, because if we take it out of an editing, it's not brand new, it's just new. It's redundant when you say brand new. We have a new O'Malley's move for you. Here it comes. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are seated at a $1, $2, no limit hold'em casino cash game. We haven't been playing too long yet, only about an hour, and the biggest stack at the table is two to our right. We bought in for two fifty and currently hover right around there. The blinds post, it's folded to the big stack who limbs from middle position. This player sits with around 900. We have never played with him before, however, the friend we came with has given us some insight on this player through his experience. He's told us the guy is pretty solid but does bluff, and when he does, he can be tricky. It's folded to us, and we look down in late position at the ace of spades, ace of hearts. 
We've tried to build a tight image, even though it's early in the night. We make it $12 to go. Our standard raise from late position is 10 but since there's a limper, we bump it up a bit. However, I'm not sure we have played enough hands for the table to realize this is our standard. The big stack calls, and with about $25 in the pot, we go to the flop heads up and see the queen of diamonds, ten of diamonds, seven of diamonds. Not a great flop, but after the big stack checks, we bet $16. The big stack thinks for a short time and calls. There is now about $55 in the pot, max rake taken, and the turn is the queen of hearts. It's an interesting card. And after our opponent checks, we bet again. We make it $40 to go. Our opponent calls. There's 135 in the pot, and the river is the queen of spades. Our opponent quickly counts out $50 and puts it into the pot. We have about 180 left. Are we calling here? Raising? Is there a case to fold? What's the move? This is Doyle Brunson, and you're listening to Annie Up. It's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. All right, comes from Brandon. I believe he's a first-time writer. We'll find out. Um, all right. Uh, first of all, he thanks us for the great podcast. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Uh, he enjoys listening every week. Um, this came from a 1-3 No Limit Hold'em game at um, MGM National Harbor. Fantastic place I just visited. Yeah. Um, he says, I had a squiggly 200. The table average was around squiggly 350. I was in, I was in the under-the-gun plus one position. Um, under-the-gun folds, and I have the four of hearts, four of diamonds. Well, we have to get to a much more pressing issue. Can you actually say around squiggly? I mean, squiggly is about, right? So awesome. I, I, I don't know how you do that. It's like brand new, right? <laughs> it's like brand new. You you don't say brand new, you don't say a roundabout, unless you mean a roundabout. Or once again, an immunity is up for grabs. You know, what kind of <laughs> Exactly. Uh, it's not a hidden immunity idol if you have it. <laughs> if you have it. <laughs> All right, so I'm thinking of limping. Uh, I got no problem set mining. I'm, I'm lower than uh, or smaller or whatever. I have less than a table average so i'm looking to chip up here and maybe flop a set or so so i I don't mind getting in for the cheapest price possible with this um while i admit that uh you know i like to raise when i'm under the gun or under the gun plus one or early position or whatever sometimes i'll limp people don't automatically know exactly what i'm doing when i limp they don't know i have a small pair they i could have aces i could be suited ace i could be anything um so it doesn't mean you're going to give it away by limping early. So I, I might limp at 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, that's really the only play here. There's no reason to fold this hand right now, um, you know, unless you know the table's been crazy, um, crazy crazy-razy. How's that? Crazy-razy, that's a new uh, term. Uh, and you might be stuck with something else. At this point, it's worth 3 bucks to, to set mine. we got plenty of chips. Um, it's not a hand that I think you want to raise here unless you're you know, trying to work on a different level. So... Seems like it's really the only decision here is limp. So uh, that's exactly what our hero does. And cool. he says, a uh, player to my immediate left who has been at the table uh, approximately an hour. So how come it says approximately? It wouldn't be squiggly an hour? It would be squiggly an hour. Yeah. Squiggly but not approximately squiggly an hour. That's right. <laughs> He's been at the table uh, squiggly an hour. 
in which time we've had a moderate amount of conversation, uh, he raises the ten dollars. Hmm. Holds to the cutoff who calls, the button calls, uh, both blinds fold, and it's back to us. Oh yeah, I'm calling. I mean, I had to put three in. It's only seven more. And, and we close the action, so we know it's not going to be more than that. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm calling. Yeah, this is a perfect situation for a small pocket pair. Yeah. All right, that's exactly what Hero does, and the flop is the King of Spades, Four of Spades, Four of Clubs. Wow. <laughs> Ricky Ticky Tabby, Bingo Bango Bongo. flop that was. <laughs> See how this actually turns into a hand. <laughs> Shove. <laughs> All right, we are the first act, of course. Remember uh, how many shows ago back was it? And they were like, oh, how do you slow play? Why would you slow? Well, here's a good reason. You don't want to bet now. Uh, you want to check now because you have a stranglehold on this hand. And no one is going to beat you unless they have pocket kings and another king comes. So please, please do not bet here. Yes, you cripple the deck. This is one of those things, exactly as we talk about. When you cripple the deck is when you have to slow down and let somebody else catch up. Yes. And you merely have a, a better hand, but it's a vulnerable hand, then you still need to bet. So, you know, if you had a set of fours here, you probably need a bet. But quads here, I mean, it, it's just difficult. So, I mean, if you check it and hopefully somebody can pick something up and fortunately there's two spades out there, so obviously we want a, a spade on the turn and for somebody to have spades in their hand. Too. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that, that's, a good, that's how you're going to get value out of this. So this is a, this is a 100% check here, I think. So. Yep. Alright, our hero agrees. So far he's played exactly like we would. This is scary. Yeah. Um, which is great because you know when people want advice on how they can lose a hand with quads, they listen to the any up over on our anniversary, no less. <laughs> Celebrating. Uh, all right, so he checks. Uh, middle position player bets fifteen dollars. The other two players fold, so it's heads up to us and back to us for the fifteen dollar bet. Call. Yeah, again, it's the same thing, right? So yeah, nothing's changed. Great thing about this is <clears throat> betting for you. Um. So hey, we'll call. I mean, if you want to do a little Hollywooding here, not big Hollywooding. I hate that, but a little bit maybe. Um, uh, that's a good thing too. And then we're gonna. I would assume we're gonna check the turn and let him bet one more time. Um, and then the river, we have to bet out because we can't let him bet our hand all the time. But this that's is why. This is why you always want to be in position because you hate having to guess now. You know, I mean, if if you were after him, and it'd be so much easier on you to just. To bet to just keep calling bets rather than having to Hollywood here or check call check call, you know. It, it, but you know you have no choice. This is when you were dealt the pocket fours. But position just means so much in this game; it's ridiculous. Um, the other thing too is, I mean, if you knew the person had something really strong like kings, you know, and you knew you had a boat somehow, then you know you'd consider doing something. But there's just oh, no I, way you it, can know that. No. So you gotta just call and check again. But the good thing is, is that that's definitely in his range because he raised preflop and right. is betting this board now. So, you know, it would be great if he had some sort of king. A pat, pocket kings would be phenomenal because you're getting that whole stack. That's yeah. the case. But, yeah. but even even like an ace king here, you're probably going to get a good chunk of this stack eventually. But um, all right, so our hero does call, and the turn is the queen of hearts. So our board now is king of spades, four of spades. Four of clubs, queen of hearts. I would have loved to see a spade there, but the queen is pretty good too. I mean, I don't. I can't imagine he could have a king queen here, and that would be great, but unlikely. I think he's got something better than that. Yeah, I still don't want to bet yeah, because it, we're, we're sort of giving the impression right now that we're drawing. 
yeah. or that we don't believe him or that we maybe we have a weak king. So um, he could think we have a four. Who knows? Um, but at this point, I'm still going to check. Try. I'm trying to give the impression that it's a weak king or a flush draw so that, you know, he'll, you know, he'll bet and try to force me off something. So I'm going to check. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm still going to check here, too, and let him bet. And if he checks behind, then I, I definitely have to bet the uh, river. But if he bets now, then, um, you know, I'm going to keep walking the dog here, right? Yeah. And I don't even have a dog, so this is the only place I can walk the dog. <laughs> you are a dog. <laughs> uh, all right, so we, we do check again, and uh, the player bets 15 again. Same bet. Back huh. to us. Still calling. I, I mean, yeah. I, 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 right, if so I, just... I don't know if yeah. I raise here. I'm saying if I raise now... Yeah. And he's got nothing, or if he's drawing, now we're forcing him to make a decision with one card to come. He might have a flush draw. You know, he might just be betting a little bit of amount, just try to get build up the pot, and then on the river you could bet more. So I think I'm just going to call one more time and then reevaluate in the river. Well, it's very interesting now because if we do decide to raise here, um, we no longer look like we're drawing for a flush. Yeah. So now we almost. Now, what would be fantastic would be for a spade to come and him have spades because then he'd be more emboldened at that point, right? So, yeah. um, I, I, again, I would, uh, I, I'm still liking walking the dog here. Here's my only problem with walking the dog now is he's not putting a lot of money in this spot. No, you know, the 15 was all right, um, uh, it was kind of a smallish bet, um, but pretty close to appropriate. Now fifteen on the I mean on the flop. Now fifteen on the turn is way small. So now we got to really figure out. I mean, if he is he betting small like you said because he's just trying to build a pot, hoping to hit his flush. If he's betting small because he's got that boat and he's just trying to string us along. Uh, or is he, is he betting that low for some other reason? And you know, I would like to get a little bit more value out of this hand. So if I call here, uh, I, I still think we've got to bet on the river because we can't take the chance of him um, checking behind. So I guess it doesn't really matter at that point. Maybe now I just put that, that kind of bet in on the river for whatever reason. But part of me thinks that now is kind of time to take a stand. So I don't know. If he, if he would have bet like 50 here, I would be totally fine calling. But So you're thinking of raising? I'm thinking about it. I think I'm probably I'm probably 75, 25 call raise, but I, I that that 25 is squawking at me. So I think I think there might be some value in raising here. Um, but again, like I said, if we choose not to, I just factor in whether I was going to raise it here into my river bet and right. and hope he calls at that point. You know, because here's the thing: if he's got the boat right now, he's going to not only call when we bet on the river, he's going to raise us, right? So. Right. We'll get our answer there, and that would still happen here. I mean, so what we don't want to do is drive him away if he's if he is drawing to that flush, and we should give him a chance to hit that flush. So, all right, I just talked to it. I'm going to call here, but it, but uh, I'm not going to check on the river. I'm gonna I'm gonna put out a decent sized bet there, a proper bet. So you talked yourself out of calling. No, I mean, out of phrasing. I mean, yes. yes. <clears throat> okay, so you're just going to call. Okay, good. All right, Rahira says, I paused for a moment, then called. Oh, man. All right. Has this ever happened where all three of us have agreed on every single action? Uh, I think so. I think it's happened. Well, I mean, we've done, what, 5,000 shows now? So <laughs> it had to happen at least once. It, yeah, but it, maybe not more than once. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Uh, now I feel like I'm rolling the dice on the river. Come on! Let's get a hand where we all agree all the way. 
All right. Now the river is the seven of spades. So our final board is king of spades, four of spades, four of clubs, queen of hearts, seven of spades. So that flush did get there. Now we are first to act. Uh, I already told you what I'm doing, but. I think you have to bet out now because it seems like we sold that we were going for a flush. And if we didn't, and he believed we were going for a flush, he would check behind. So you got to try to get some money out of this person now. The only way I would check is if I was convinced he had the boat. And I, I don't know how I would be or convinced with $15 bets or a flush. But even that flush, you know what I mean? I, I'd be convinced he had a bigger fl- big flush, like the nut flush, um, which he could have. I don't know. Um, but I, I think I'm going to have to bet something here. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, so the question is how now. I think I was talking before about a bigger bet to get value out of here. But now that the flush got there, you know, I, I don't want to bet too small, but – I'm a little worried about betting too big now. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, 40? We don't really know. So let's see, 30, 60, about 100 in the pot. Yeah. So 50, I guess, maybe? Yeah, 40, 50. <clears throat> You're right, yeah. But again, you know, he could, if he has the flush, he, he might raise. If he has the boat, he's definitely going to raise. So I guess at that point, it doesn't matter. It's just a matter of if he has like a king-queen hand or ace-king Right. The only the only hand that we're going to scare away is a bluffing hand. If somebody was bluffing the whole way, he'd fold here after our bet. But other than that, we're probably going to get a call at least from somebody who had ace king, uh, gets the flush, um, had a you know king queen, or we're going to get a call from somebody like that probably. And if somebody just happens to make a boat, you know, they just happen to have queen queen or king king or something or even seven seven somehow. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's right. There's right. a couple more possibilities that are yeah. good for us. So some okay. hands will raise us, and then some hands will call us. And the only hands that won't call our bet are the ones that weren't going to call our or bet anyway. It, you know, But it, they might have bluffed. They might have bluffed, but it doesn't seem like a likely hand for them to bluff into. Yeah, it's very difficult now to, to trust that they're going to bet because of the, the, the spades got there. If the spade didn't get there, then maybe you could take that chance. But Yeah. Um, yeah, you're not going to get any of those other hands we talked about to, to stab at this spot. They're just going to check behind and hope hope they're good. So, um, all right. Um, so our hero says this is where my struggle comes into play. Do I check again, hoping he will bet, or bet hoping he is nut flush and isn't scared of the boat? I thought for a while before deciding on a thirty dollar bet. All right, well, yeah. I said fifty. You said forty. You said thirty. That's close enough. <laughs> Although the hand's not over yet, so maybe there's still a chance for him to do something different than us. All right. Um, our opponent thinks for a bit, then says, quote, I really should raise you here, but I'm going to be nice. Oh. Well, why be nice when it's so much more fun to be mean? Say, please be mean. He calls and turns over ace of spades, eight of spades, clearly thinking he had me beat until I table my quads. Oh. Is there any way we play it differently now? Well, all right. Check, so right? again, results oriented, knowing then we should made the flush, and he would have bet, and then we would have raised. But yeah, and he might have bet more, than, but he probably would have bet thirty-two the way he was betting. He probably would have bet thirty, and then we would have raised, and then maybe he folds. I don't think he folds. He doesn't fold right now. I really should raise you here, but I'm going to be nice. He clearly thinks that he had the best hand, which I would never do on a paired board. Paired board. <laughs> It doesn't mean I don't think I'm losing the hand, but I'm never going to be that cocky about it. So, uh, yeah, he, we, we clearly had a chance to get his stack here. Um, it doesn't change what I, I would what I did. I mean, we bet the hand. Um, if he really felt that confident about it, he should have raised and he decided not to. Now, maybe he's just Hollywooding too and saying that, but 
Um, we played this the way we should have. Um, now, the only thing is I said 50 on the end. You said 40. You said 30. So my way, you get 20 more bucks out of the guy. But um, that's <clears throat> What do you think about cool. the uh, the online overbet at the end, shoving it and seeing if the guy thinks, oh, I, he's bluffing, and then you, you get well, a call. Well, again, yeah. I, you know, I, I did – you know, I was talking early in the hand about, you know, taking the money that I was going to check, raise the turn, and I put that into my river bet. But then again, you know, as I said, you know, once that flush got there – I thought that was a bad card for us because it made it look like our flush got there. It was scaring me up. Now, had we realized that his flush got there, yeah. <laughs> um, which is a reasonable hand to have, but again, you know, you just don't know. That's what's it's difficult. So, I guess my my what I say to Brandon is no, you didn't. I mean, you, there was a way to play it differently. Now that we know what he had, but I think the way you played it was perfect all yeah. the way through. Yeah, and the other thing too is. Um, it, it, the fact that he, he, not very many people play a flush draw the way this guy played it. Correct. Right? And that ace eight raise is kind of suspect as well, pre flop. But not, not that many people would bet that draw with nothing, really just one spade and missed a flop completely. And then a paired board means he's not even drawn to the nut hand. And then the turn, he bets it again when he, you know what I mean? Or the, yeah, the, the turn. So. <clears throat> I'm kind of confused here. You know, I mean, I, he had the flush draw, I guess, so he bets it, but then he bets it again. Usually when you get to the turn, you kind of, I'll take the free card yeah, now. He got the free card. Yeah, and he didn't do it. He bet it again. So it, he's, he disguised his hand pretty well. I didn't think he had a flush. Yeah, but here's the thing is why are you disguising your hand if you're not going to act on the on the, the, the disguise, right? Yeah. I mean, he really, he, the way he played it, he should have thought he had his dead rights there. And then when we wake up and make a bet, he, he as he said, I really should raise you. Yes, you really should have. But if that's the way you're playing this, but um, huh. you know, ended up saving him a lot of money by not. So <clears throat> interesting, interesting hand, and the way he played it too is interesting. It just that's the way I like to play frost draw. Sometimes I like to bet him, but you know, the turn is the, the, the scary part. You know, a lot of people like to get that free card, and then if they don't hit, then they bet again on the river. You know, because then people think you're doing pot control and that kind of thing when you're just trying to get the free card for the for the flush but in this case he gets it and then he lets that guy off the hook lets our our, our boy brandon off the hook here interesting very interesting why would he not raise there maybe he didn't maybe he just was being funny and didn't let on that he knew obviously the board was paired and that he didn't have the absolute nuts but huh very interesting yeah so all right well sorry for the abbreviated show but i uh i have to go take a percocet now <laughs> hope i wasn't too loopy during the show I'm loopy every show. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Locke. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.